up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, back in action today, July 18th, 2020, 10 a.m. It's a Saturday morning, and we are getting ready and gearing up for the return of the sports world. Fingers crossed we'll get into that today. I'm sorry I have not been posting a whole lot of episodes over the last couple of months. The reason why I was working on a project that was consuming a lot of my time, I made mention to that in the last episode, and I am happy to say that that project is now underway. Uh, My new website, jackvita.com, has launched. It went live on Thursday. I'm excited to not only be bringing my podcast content there, but also be doing a lot of blogging and writing as well. Perfect timing as it looks like the sports world is going to return very shortly. We are less than a week away from the return of Major League Baseball 2020 version. It's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. I'm excited for it. But today we are going to continue the MLB preview series. This has been one that's been a long time coming. Started doing it back in February. And then in the middle of March, we found out, you know what? We're not going to be getting baseball for a while. Things are going to be a little different this year. But I wanted to kind of space these out so that we could continue to build momentum and excitement going into this baseball season. So here's the last division that we have to cover. It's the National League West. I'm very excited to get into all of it today. Joining me right now is our guest for today's edition of the podcast, Chad Vaughtherine. He's been on the podcast three or four times now. And he is going to get the ball today as our starter. How are you doing, Chad? Jack, I'm doing so well. I'm so happy to be back here on the podcast. I think the last time I was here was when we talked about High School Musical, which was (laughs) so much fun. And, of course, the last time we talked about baseball was when we recapped the 2019 World Series, which obviously at the time – we did not know anything about the Houston Astros, and <laughs> so, so I'm happy we're not talking about the AL West today, um, and, and we don't need to. So, Chad's uh, an Astros fan. I, I'm a huge Astros fan. I live outside of the city of Houston, and so it's, <laughs> yeah, um, but we'll, we'll set that to the side. But Jack, I'm super happy to be on the show once again. Uh, it's a pleasure as always. Absolutely. One of the most popular episodes last year in terms of download was our MLB trade deadline recap. So we're probably going to have to gear up and do that together once again in about a month and a half now. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, that would make our experience working together full circle. So, and (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be, it would definitely would be a a lot different, especially this year, but yeah, I would more than happy. I'd be more than happy to, to join you for that as well in a little bit. Jed, I don't know if people realize how much, things are revving up right now. Of course, assuming everything goes according to plan, we can never be too sure. But right now, we are about five days away from Major League Baseball season opener on the 23rd of July. A week later, NBA and NHL coming back to our screens. They will 
gear up. They have different formats going on with uh, the NBA is going to have a little bit of a regular season to finish up. And then NHL is going to jump into a 24 team playoff series, which is going to be really, really cool to see. We've got pro golf, pro tennis, NASCAR, all in full swing right now. And believe it or not, we're not too far away from NFL making its comeback. Hopefully, college football can do the same. But we're looking at a potential where we could have in September, we could have MLB games that mean a lot getting ready for the playoffs. I mean, every game's going to mean a lot more this year in baseball. But on top of that, NBA playoff games, NHL playoff games, and then football on Saturdays and Sundays. That's <laughs> that's going to be pretty jam-packed schedule, and that's a lot to look forward to for those of us who have been deprived of sports for far too long. <laughs> oh, it, it's been way too long. I mean, we're talking about for months now being deprived of all sports to now and just potentially a couple months if everything goes according to plan we will not even know what to watch because there's going to be so much content for us uh, to see which i think that's what we need i mean we we kind of need to to binge on sports a little bit because we have i i'm missing it and yeah. i think y- you and i both especially are missing baseball the most and so this this or this upcoming week's going to be one of the most exciting weeks of 2020 which you know, that, I mean, maybe not saying a lot, but at the same time, it's still, I, <laughs> I, I, I can't emphasize how excited I am. And I know that you are for, for baseball to return. So it's, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yeah. The main thing I'm excited about is just Twitter is going to be totally different. And I know you are not on Twitter and I would say you are very fortunate this year because there's just been a lot of negativity, a lot of political stuff and i think when you get some sports stuff people are just going to be overall happier and there's going to be more fun activities and conversations for people to participate in that are going to be hopefully less divisive oh absolutely and i you, you bring up a great point i mean because sports are so important to our culture and i think they bring people together and especially now whether you know it is other political topics or we're talking about a pandemic, people are separated and divided more than ever. And it's sports that regularly brings people together, different people. And I think missing that has you know allowed our country and allowed the world to they, they let their real feelings out. And it's unfortunate when they hurt other people. But you talk about baseball saving the country. <laughs> and during World War II, uh, they did not cancel baseball baseball was still played in a lot of uh big time players i mean ted williams warren spawn several people they went to fight during the war and they left their baseball they left the u.s to go fight in the war and baseball is what held the country together in the 40s when america entered uh world war ii and so you know could we see something similar with baseball i hope so and you know baseball right now maybe not the most popular sport in America, but it's certainly the national pastime still. And I still think is. Ba- it still is. <laughs> Thank you. And so, so I, I think baseball will hopefully bring people together socially and politically. Yeah, I think the shortcomings of baseball are often overstated. I talked about this in the last episode that I did with James Ivkovich, and I was saying how, for whatever reason, 
the baseball, the MLB does not get love from the mainstream press. It gets love from the people who cover the sport, but you just see if you turn on one of those shows on ESPN, it's like baseball's dying. If they don't get a season in, the sport <laughs> is going to never recover. And like, at meanwhile, they, they, the same people really prop up the NBA. But if you actually look at the numbers, baseball is still in front of the NBA in terms of viewership, especially in local markets. Oh, without a doubt. And plus, I mean, baseball, you know, it's still very much alive on radio. It's still very yeah. much alive on local TV because those are the main avenues that you can stream and watch and listen to to baseball. But versus many NBA games, you can only access them on uh, on on a national network or national TV. And not every single person, you know, they might not have cable. You know, they might uh, have you know a streaming service for their TV provider, and so they might not have access to every game. So I mean, that totally makes sense why. You know, the baseball numbers are still still good. And I, I think that is incorrectly reported yeah. you know, very often, which I don't know what the media is trying to do to baseball, but I don't think they'll be able to take it down anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny because the NBA viewership has just been going down the last two years, exponentially low ratings over the last couple of years. And a lot of it comes from cutting the cord and we're seeing it in other sports as well in terms of the viewership shrinking. But there's this narrative from a lot of people that are like, this is the league of the future. It's going to surpass the NFL. And it's like, look, it's a good league. It's a good sport. There's a lot of good talent, but I mean, we got to just stop trying to tear down other sports in, in hopes of elevating one that, we favor maybe i'm doing that too much right now because i love baseball but (laughs) right and i mean there's no way the nba would pass up the nfl i mean you talk about nfl you know fox on sundays you know monday night football with espn any nfl show all of the made ones are ranked in the top five for highest viewership and they only come on once a week i mean you're you're not going to be able to top nfl you know college football even uh, some of the highest rated shows Absolutely. normally. And so, I mean, there, there's no way the NBA could top football, in my opinion. And, and baseball's still up there. Uh, and, and I think the reason why the numbers are so great in baseball is because the season is so long. And yeah. so collectively, they're going to have more total number of viewers, maybe not as many on an average night. Well, they they actually do. I saw numbers uh, from two years ago that this was on Twitter. They're 19 MLB... 19 markets that have an MLB team and an NBA team. How many of those markets do you think the MLB outscored the NBA in a per game basis? And keep in mind, baseball, they play double the amount of NBA games. What what would your guess out of 19? See, Jack, I feel like you're going to stump me on this. I, (laughs) I don't know what, I don't know if I should answer what I actually think or what I think is actually right. Uh, I would, well, let me, let me think. I'm going to, I'm going to guess 12, 16, 16. Wow. I, kind of close, but that, that's a little surprising. But after, I mean, given the things we've said the past couple of minutes, I mean, maybe not surprising. So, yeah. but wow, that, that is, that is very surprising though. So at the time it was, uh, Miami and mm-hmm. Cleveland by a slamish margin, which could very well have changed because Cleveland Cavaliers are not the same as they were two years ago. <laughs> right. Uh, but 
in the Bay Area, at least in Oakland, the Warriors uh, definitely outscored the uh, outscored the A's by a large margin. But other than that, every other market baseball has been winning, and I would assume that's the same considering how much the NBA viewership numbers have dipped over the last two years. Oh, yes, I would agree. And and to mention, I mean, Oakland, you know, with the Warriors, I mean, I, I don't think the Giants are helping the Bay Area market as well, which we'll certainly get into in, <laughs> yeah. in this episode. But, uh, yeah, that, I'm I'm not super surprised, but it's very interesting that you brought that up. I, I like that. Yeah, I guess the last thing I'd say, and then we'll, we'll get into the baseball thing. I think one of the problems, and I, I think it helps the sport on the national level, but in the local markets, you aren't able to build up as much fan loyalty with the players moving from team to team so quickly. It changes every two, three years. Once upon a time, those star players were going to stay there for their whole career. And look, they have the opportunity and the right to make whatever decisions they want. But in baseball, you see a lot more of these guys like a Joey Votto, like a Freddie Freeman, like uh, Ichiro, who even Ichiro left the Mariners at one point, but he was there for so long. And uh, I just think you get, even with these big contracts, I think you see more of these star players staying on their franchise, being the face of their franchise for a, a greater stretch of time than we see with some of the NBA stars. Oh, I, I agree with you. And I mean, I think when you play 162 games each season, I think you get more attached to the city that you play for. I think you get more attached to the fans. And it's different in the NBA because they have you know less home games to play for. Uh, some of their home games, you know, as you know, the Clippers and Lakers, like they, they'll share the same arena. So the, uh, the fans are just a little different sometimes. I mean, <laughs> I don't think they, even though fans love each individual player, I don't think the players may necessarily be attached to the fans as well as some of the baseball players are. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know if everyone agrees with that, but that could definitely be a factor as to why you see more trades and you see more, uh, you see smaller contracts um, or uh, contracts with less time uh, in the NBA versus baseball. All right, Chad, well stated. Let's get into what we have today. The National League West, this National League, I think, once again, National League, I know you're an American League guy, (laughs) even with the lousy designated hitter moving over to the National League, I still think that the National League as a whole is going to be more competitive. At least if this was a 162-game season, I think the fact that 60 games is really going to change a lot, and we'll talk about that later down the road here, but I think that this division has some deep talent in it it has very deep talent it has uh and i think it has some very young talent in it as well from several teams which we'll get into but uh yeah i mean there's they've lost a couple pieces in the division this past offseason but they've also gained uh some of these teams you know some of the best players i mean you talk about mookie betts probably the biggest name to go into the nl west uh now a dodger i mean he's an mvp and you now have the front runner of the NOS, the Dodgers, who they have yeah. two MVPs on their team. <laughs> there, there, there is so much stardom power in the NL West, and is it top heavy? You know, I think, I think maybe so, but at the same time, I think this division is going to surprise us because there's so much expectation and pressure on the Dodgers. 
they haven't lost the NL West since what I think 2012 was 2012. the last year that they did not win it. Right, and that's so. So 2012, that means San Francisco won uh, that year, which makes sense. But still, I mean, they so it's their division to lose, and this is going to be, I think, in my opinion, the most exciting uh, division to watch because if the Dodgers don't win the NL West, then it's just going to be it's it could be a free for all for the rest <laughs> of the teams. And you know, looking across all six divisions in the MLB, I mean, you have the Twins in the Central for the AL, you have the Astros. You more than likely have the Yankees. I, I would say the Yankees. And then as well, I think the NL Central could be a little bit of a toss-up. But in my opinion, the Braves are you know, probably going to win the East. And so, you know, I think the West differentiates itself compared to all the rest of the divisions. Yes, the Dodgers are the front runner, but it's still going to be very unpredictable for the NL West this season. Yeah, and what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about how these teams, we think these teams would fare in 162. We'll give you our win over under as we did for the other five divisions over a 162 game season. At the very end, we'll talk about how briefly, we'll talk about what 60 games, how that could change the dynamic here. And we'll definitely cross that bridge as we go through this thing. Let's get started here with the Dodgers. You bring up, this team is just so talented. I do think that shrinking the season to 60 games does not play in their favor because think about it. If you're going to play a pro golfer and you have a shot to beat a pro golfer, you only want to play one hole against them. You don't want to play a full 18. Over the 18, you're going to get smoked. But you shrink that sample size and maybe something different, you get a different outcome. But there's just so much young talent on this team, even in a 60-game season, really hard to bet against the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, like we both mentioned, I think this, you know, it's still the Dodgers' division to lose. And, uh, you know, th- they did lose the reigning MLB ERA champion um, in, in Ryu. And so, I mean, they, they did lose a couple pieces, but at the same time, they're still incredibly talented. And I think one thing that is going to be so, so important and, uh, you know, interesting and different this year is that the definition and the term for starting pitcher versus relief pitcher, it's kind of hard to say this year because when you have 60 games, especially with so many pitchers taking off time, I mean, we, we, we even saw Joe Kelly. I don't know if you saw that video, but Joe Kelly, like one of the first days of quarantine, I think he threw a ball in the window of his house <laughs> in his backyard. So, I mean, the, these pitchers are going to be a little rusty for, for pitchers, especially older pitchers, to take off time maybe a little bit more time than expected of not throwing and then having to restart their arm and train back to, you know, a game time, uh, you know, for to be game day ready. I mean, it's that's very hard on pitchers' arms. And so you're going to see starting pitchers, you know, probably only throw a couple of innings and you're going to see more action across the entire board from the bullpen. And so the bullpen is going to be the most important piece for many of these teams in the Dodgers, they, they do have a strong bullpen. And I think that's why they are favored so heavily in the West is because Kenley Jansen, Joe Kelly, and they even got Blake Trinan, who was a former All-Star. I mean, they, yeah. they're they going to be very good uh, in terms of the second half of the games. And I think that that's why the, the West, they are favored to win the West. Yeah, and their pitching rotation, Clayton Kershaw, and Walker Bueller, that's as good of a one-two punch as you can have in this league. 
I'm interested to see their three, four, and five guys. Julio Urias uh, still is only maybe 22 years old. He's really young and has shown a lot of promise at his young age. He's had a couple of injuries, but we'll see. The other thing is that the last couple of years, they've had so much depth in their rotation. There haven't been many opportunities for him. Dustin May, another high prospect, is also expected to get the ball every fifth day. And so it, it will be interesting to see if they're able to have the same type of success with those two young guys that they have had with so many of their other pitchers over the years, most recently Walker Bueller. Right. And, and they also, uh, this offseason, they got back Alex Wood, which yeah. I, I, I kind of forgot. He, he was with Cincinnati. And so I, I, I really did not even watch him uh, as a Red at all. I, I well, he didn't for- pitch a whole lot last year. I think he was injured for most of the year. and. I, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, didn't really fit in with that rotation because their the Reds rotation ended up being a lot better than most people expected. Oh, absolutely, and especially this year. I mean, they're going to have what Bauer and I believe Sonny Gray. So, yep. so I mean, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, that's that's going to be very good for for Cincinnati. But yeah, you talk about the Dodgers rotation; it's still up there with one of the best rotations in the league. And you know, sure, they they lost their number two guy, but I mean, hey, they're. Their starting pitching is going to help them out a lot. Yeah, when you start with the pitching, the Dodgers are going to be in a great position each game that they play. You bring up Alex Wood. Let's go back to 2017, what he did with the Dodgers. So there's a lot of – seems like they'll squeeze a lot out of the pulp with that guy, uh, with what they have. But he had a 2.72 ERA back in 2017, went 16-3 that year. And in 2018, still an effective pitcher with a sub-4 ERA as well. Yeah, and, and you talk about Alex Wood, who already, I mean, he, he saw some great hitters in uh, in a short time in the Central, and so he's going to go back to the West, I think, being even more prepared. He's very familiar with the NL West, and so, and very familiar being a Dodger as well. So, I mean, he's going to fit right back in perfectly. And I think especially for him, recovering from an injury, when you know, being in a 60-game – game season you know i think that will give him more time to i think recover more properly and safely totally and the dodgers you mentioned the lineup we'll just run through a few of these names real quick max muncie justin turner jock peterson cody bellinger mookie betts some big bets there they did talk about trading jock peterson it'll be interesting to see if that comes to fruition this year but I'm really excited to see this double play combination up the middle of Gavin Lux and Corey Seager. Seager's a guy that is still really young. I still think has a really high ceiling. And Gavin Lux came up last year as one of the top prospects in all of baseball. I think that double play combo could end up being the... It has the potential to be the best in the National League. No, I I agree with you. I mean, Gavin Lux, I believe, is the number two prospect on Pipeline right now. And that's going to be really exciting to see him get finally get, you know, a full season uh, under his belt or at least start probably on the starting uh, day lineup. And so uh, I'm really excited to see him. And as well, the, the beauty about the Dodgers is that they are so deep in talent. I mean, you look at their outfield, they have Bellinger and Betts, but they have so many pieces uh, who could play another outfield position. I mean, they have they still have Peterson. Chris Taylor yeah. can play both infield and outfield. Uh, they have AJ Pollock, Kike Hernandez can play yep. all over the field, and and so you're also going to see with the D, the addition of the Dodgers getting a DH spot, 
it, it could be very beneficial yeah. for them because these guys are going to be plenty well rested and they're going to be able to rotate the DH in and out, you know, every two days or so. I mean, their their DH is going to be fresh. One of their outfielders, um, who they could potentially try in and out each day, they're going to be 100% healthy. I mean, unless they catch coronavirus, <laughs> which hoping that hoping that doesn't happen. But uh, for the most part, they're going to be well rested and healthy. And so you're talking about a Dodgers lineup who's going to be full of energy, full of um, of rest. And so this is so beneficial for the Dodgers, especially how they were able to keep a lot of those younger guys like, you know, Kike, Taylor, Jock, uh, for now at least, and Pollock. They're going to add so much wealth to the Dodgers lineup. So last season, the Dodgers won 106. If this were a 162-game season, their over-under total back from March was 102. Would you have them over or under that, Chad? What would your projection for them be? I, I think I would still have them over, actually. I mean, you you look at this Dodgers team, and I think when you give them a full season, they normally come on uh, – they, they normally turn it on in the summer. And, you know, the second half Dodgers after the All-Star break, there's almost no chance that, you've, that you're going to stop them, you know, ever since 2012-2013. I mean, every single time I see the Dodgers in the summer, which they're playing in the summer right now, or they're about to start playing in the summer, they're they win like forty five games <laughs> in like in, in in fifty games, you know, each summer. And I believe I believe last last year was the one of the best starts for the Dodgers. The first sixty games, I want to say they went forty one and nineteen in twenty nineteen. And so, I mean, you're you're talking about the best time to be a Dodger is in the summer. And the, I mean, they, they're going to win so many games. So even if they did play 162 game season and plus not to mention with the Astros, I think uh, at the 2017 world series incident, I think the Dodgers are more motivated than other teams, Yeah, especially losing two world series and then missing the world series last year. I, I think the Dodgers have so much to play for, and so I would put them over 100 games if this were a full season. Well, it's 102. So would you go over 102 or under 102? 102. I, I would say I would say 104, okay. 105 maybe. Yeah, All right. right around that. So the Dodgers, this is interesting. So back in 2017, they won 104. The following season, in 2018, they only won 92. Uh, 92 obviously won the division. That's a lot of wins. That's a good year. But they they ended up losing 12 more games than they did a season before that. Now, part of that was because I think the division may have just been better at the time. But actually, I don't really know. Because you had, at the start of September that year, you had Colorado and Arizona. And it was a three-team race to win that division. And... Well, that's will come into play as we talk about Colorado and Arizona in a short bit. But what ended up happening, the, the Diamondbacks come off the rails. They end up not making the playoffs. Rockies won 91. And keep in mind, this team, they played each other. They played 163 games that year because they were tied for the division. Now, is the division as good as it was two years ago? Probably not, but maybe Maybe there's a little more depth there. We'll see. And that'll be something we talk about. But I'm just curious to see. I don't know if they would have followed it up with all of the expectation on them to go to 102. 
I think I would have them slightly under. I would have them at 99 would be my estimation, which would still be... Uh, actually, you know what? I'd probably go slightly... I'll go 101 is what I'd say. So I think they, they're five... They're not improving from 106 a year ago, which you agree with. Um, but I think they go, they lose a, a little more games. I think the NLS could potentially be a little better than it was a year ago. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I think 99 or, or 100, 101. I think that would be a fair assessment. I mean, it just it really depends. It's so predictable because you're talking about, you know, four to five game difference. I mean, those could all be decided by one pitch yeah. or one error or one play. And so it's really hard to, to predict. But I think we would both come to the consensus that anywhere from, you know, 97, 98 games to, to 102, 103 games, uh, that would probably be their win total if this was a full-length season. All right, let's move over to the Arizona Diamondbacks, which are the team that I like second most in this division. I, I really think is under the radar here. I don't think they've gotten as much attention as some other teams have in terms of the trendy or wild card selections from the preseason previews that are circulating. Last year, 85 wins, up five wins from a season before that when they had Paul Goldschmidt. They plug in Mad Bum, the best postseason pitcher of the 2010s and one of the best of all time. And yes. now you're looking at a rotation with Zach Gallen, who really made some nice strides last year, was really good for them. Luke Weaver and Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray, another underrated pitcher in this league. They have a really good rotation. Yeah, I mean, led by you know possibly the best postseason pitcher of all time. Yeah, that's going to give them the perfect experience I mean, or, or the, for for the postseason. I mean, he's going to be the leader in terms of making a strive to the playoffs. And I mean, you talk about a sixty-game season, a very short season. This is going to go by really quickly in just a couple months. So almost every single game is a playoff game. I mean, they you don't have any games to afford to lose. Uh, in, I mean, almost never in a full-length season, but even more so now with just 60 games. And so you're talking about every single game they're they're going to have to win if they really want to have a chance at the playoffs to take away the crown from the Dodgers. And Madison Bumgarner, the perfect, I think, piece for them, especially adding another lefty in the rotation. I think that's going to be great for them, a great number one spot. And you also talk about the addition of even Starling Marte. Yeah. I mean, he's great. That's such I mean, I think he's so underrated, and he's. I think he flies on the radar a lot. Unfortunately, um, I would like to mention I mean, his his wife actually passed away in in May. Really tough. And so, yeah, very very sad. tough, very un, very unexpected and sad. And the good thing, though, I've read several articles about just the culture and you know the care and, and sympathy and help that Marte has received from the Do- from the Diamondbacks. And, uh, you know, Tony Lavella, he he creates such a great atmosphere in Arizona. And so I think the reason why they're so successful and why they are, you know, such a fun team to watch is because, yes, they are talented, but they are so tightly knit together. And that's why you see some of these young guys really, you know, like when Paul Goldsman was there, you saw players like Jake Lamb or this past season, Christian Walker just come out of nowhere. I mean, these guys are relying on some of the older veteran players, and when you get that in Bumgarner and even Starley Marte, 
could kind of be considered more so a veteran on this team. These guys are really going to come together, and I think they're going to do some big special things. And so that's why I would agree with you. I think if not the Dodgers, I think it would be the Diamondbacks to win the NL West. Yeah, don't count them out. And until last year, Sterling Marte, or sorry, uh, Ketel Marte. Ketel, yes. Now they have two Martes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Underreported story there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> he had an MVP-type season. We'll see if he can follow that up this year, but it appears that he's a rising star in this league. We're talking about double play combinations. Nick Ahmed, one of the best defensive shortstops, maybe the best or the second best in the National League in terms of defense, either him or Paul DeYoung. He is so good defensively. Mm -hmm. That's a really good double play combo. You pair that with some of this other young talent on this team, Christian Walker, who stepped into that role last year without Paul Goldschmidt there, had a really, really nice year. And this, I think this team is a little under the radar and has the potential to do some damage. Yeah, you, you talk about Arizona. They have one of the better defenses, which they need to uh, play in a chase. But, I mean, it's they it, it, they do a great job. And Nick Ahmed, I, I believe he, he's won the last two uh, Golden Gloves at shortstop in the NL, which is extremely hard to do. There's some very talented defensive shortstops. And in, in Christian Walker going from no home runs to hitting almost 30 home runs just out of nowhere. <laughs> the, Diamond, the Diamondbacks just create these guys who nobody knows and then they become stars. And I think, like we kind of mentioned earlier, it's because it's such a healthy environment to play in. Arizona's a great state. It's a great clubhouse to be a part of. I don't think they're mentioned enough for how tight the Diamondbacks are. Eduardo Escobar at third base, he hit 35 homers last year too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's not even, no one even talks about that. I mean, you're they have several guys who... And, and, and to hit a home run at Chase Field, you have to hit it 400 feet yeah. almost almost everywhere. So, I mean, that's very hard to do. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm high on the Diamondbacks. I think they're being slept on quite a bit. I know there are some other trendier teams that we've covered along the way, whether it's the Phillies or the Reds or even some of these teams that are a little more have a little more history in the postseason, whether it be the Nationals, the Cubs, or the Brewers. But I, I like the Diamondbacks just as much as any of them, maybe more than uh maybe more than all of them, honestly, in terms of a wild card team. Yes. And I, I think the one thing, as long as the Diamondbacks can pitch pitch themselves into games and stay in games with their pitching, then there's no reason why they wouldn't have a great shot at winning the West. I mean, they, they have a pretty strong bullpen, not huge names, but I mean, they added Hector Rondon, they have Archie Bradley, yeah. uh, Andrew Chaffin's going to add some great, uh, you know, some, some great stuff to the bullpen as well. And I mean, so these aren't big, big names, but they're guys that can get the job done. And that's exactly what Arizona needs. I mean, they're, I, I, I think they're going to be just fine. And with a big name starter with Bumgarner, that's exactly what their pitching needs. And I, I think they'll be just fine as long as they can stay consistent and their pitchers can stay healthy. One other name I want to bring up, Dalton Varsho. He's a top 100 prospect, a catcher who played at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Got to see him play at Valpo at least a couple times. They were in the same conference. That guy has a star written all over him. He's going to, if he gets a call up this year, add him to your fantasy team. He can really swing the bat well for a catcher. Yes, and in that that's so hard to find. I mean, there's and we'll we'll talk about who I think 
in a, a little bit. Maybe the next team who's the best defensive catcher in the MLB right now. But I mean, that but, but that catcher, I don't want to give away his name yet. He he can't <laughs> hit. He might hit 200 this year. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, when, when you have a catcher who can swing the bat, only does pluses for your team. It's only a good thing. Okay, so let me pull up this over under total. Uh, they were at 84 and a half. I would certainly go over. I think the Diamondbacks are creeping into the 90s this year, at least if it was a 162 game season. I don't think they're going to win 90 games in a 60 game <laughs> season, Chad. <laughs> that would be hard to do. If they do it, I think, I, you know, g- great for them, but uh, maybe some maybe some of their <laughs> games will count as two. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think if this were a full-length season, I would put them right at 93 or 94 games to win. Wow. Yeah, I think I'd go 91 is where I would have them mm. at. Uh, but I do think, yeah, I think they would have been one of my wild-card selections if there were only six teams making the – or, sorry, five teams making the playoffs. There we're adding – more wild card teams this year and Jordan Morandini and I will talk about that in the next episode of the Jack Vita show. We're going to try to make the most sense out of this 60 game season, <laughs> what it all means and give some uh, revised predictions from our previous episodes. But I do like this Diamondbacks team quite a bit. And that's where I think if they're creeping in at Chad, if you have them at 93 or 94, I think that makes it a lot tougher for the Dodgers to win upwards of 105, 106. I I just can't really see that happening if a team like the Diamondbacks is winning in the 90s. Right. So I I think the one thing to mention is that if you have two 91 teams, that means, you know, the Padres, the Rockies and the Giants would, you know, win 70 games or, you know, you you could even (laughs) I, I would even say the Giants probably coming into this full length season they would have won 62 games. So so oh, yeah. I mean you're you're talking about two top heavy teams that, or a top heavy division with the two teams, the rest of the teams in the division because they play each other so often, they're only winning 70 games, maybe 80 games if they're lucky. Okay, Chad, let's discuss the Colorado Rockies, mm. which is the most I think the really the Rockies and the Padres, who knows what either of these teams are anymore, but Last year, I had high expectations for the Rockies. I I picked them to win the NL West. I thought they were a rising talent. Again, I mentioned 2018. They went into the month of September with the division lead. They have never won the NL West before. It seemed like it was finally going to happen for them. Uh, It unfortunately did not happen for them. Kyle Freeland, 2018 version, was my pick for the Cy Young. He was a lights out. He pitched historically great at home in Colorado in a way no pitcher had pitched before. 2019, he gets sent down to AAA because he was getting hit hard. I don't know what to make of this Colorado team. I think, once again, it's going to depend on if they they can get more out of that pitching staff with those young guys with Senzatella and John Gray. Herman Marquez is a stud. You need more out of Freeland. That's, uh, once again, it's always going to come down to pitching for the Colorado Rockies because they we, they could put us on the Rockies and they'd <laughs> score at least some runs. Maybe not as many runs as they do, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, n- nobody wants to pitch in Colorado. You talk about Freeland. He was really the best pitcher 
to best starting pitcher for the Rockies since maybe I don't know uh, Ubaldo maybe yeah when he had that one probably even better than what Ubaldo did yes, though I, if you just were taking a single season right uh, Freeland's probably the best that they've had I, I, in the history of the Rockies yes I I would agree with you I mean nobody wants to pitch there because it's you know you're gonna hit a home run and you know regardless the Rockies they have some of the best hitters I mean when you take Trevor Story when you take Charlie Blackman and Arenado. I mean, those guys are all going to hit over 300. They're going to hit 30 home runs in a full length season. They're, I mean, that's it, it's so surprising. But you look at the team numbers and it makes sense. The uh, the Rockies finished 29th, I think, in uh, in ERA and in last in WHIP. The only reason that they weren't last in in runs in ERA is because the Orioles were last uh, last year, and that's because the Twins, the Yankees hit a home run in every single bat at Camden. So, <laughs> I mean, that's – so I don't even count the Orioles, really. But, I mean, they – yeah, it, it makes sense. And it's very sad because you have to pitch, especially in a shorter length season. I, I don't even really know much about the Rockies' bullpen because they have guys that are very inexperienced and they have guys that um, are traded around a lot because nobody wants to go pitch in the 7th, 8th, or ninth inning in Colorado. Yeah, it, it's going to be it'll be interesting to see what happens with that pitching staff. That is a very big key to their success and I I can't count on them. That's the thing. As much as I want to see it for them, I I really need to see it in order to believe it, I guess. And it's just it was so discouraging what I saw last year. I think their pitching staff has to be better than it was a year ago because I just can't believe that Kyle Freeland is if that this is what Kyle Freeland is, if he's a guy who's bouncing back and forth from Triple A and uh, the Bigs, I, that's hard for me to believe. I think now, could he, is he ever going to repeat that 2018 season? He could. He's he's young. He's uh, you know he's he's still got a lot of potential, but realistically, that's a really difficult season for anyone to replicate. I think he's going to balance out to be somewhere in between 2018 Kyle Freeland, 2019 Kyle Freeland, the the more he looks like 2018 Kyle Freeland, the better it will be for this club. But uh, I just, I need to see more. It's tough to, it's, it's really difficult for the Rockies, as you mentioned, to build up a consistent dominant pitching rotation. Right. And I mean, the, the only, the big name that they have in, in their bullpen. And I, well, I, I think Marquette Marquez would be, uh, you know, their number one guy, they're, or, or one of their better ones at least, in my opinion. But for their bullpen, they do have Wade Davis, but he's coming off of by far his worst season um, in his entire career. And he's yeah. a guy, when, when he was pitching in Kansas City, he was he was shutting down people. And he's coming off of almost a, I think last season he had like an 8.6-something ERA. He barely had any saves, did not pitch well at all. And so, I mean, that he's ineffective. And yeah. in Colorado, it's very unfortunate that, uh, you know, he went there because I was surprised when he went to Colorado because I was like, well, you know, maybe he could surprise us, but it, it just goes to show you it's way too hard to pitch there. Yeah, it is. And I think the in order to get a guy like Wade Davis to come, you have to pay that guy a lot more money than any other team is going to be able to offer. So I think that was probably uh, the the money was probably what brought him over there as right. it normally speaks to players. This yes. team, couple interesting notes. Ian Desmond has opted not to play this year. 
He was on the decline a little bit over the last couple years anyway. I don't think that's a huge loss, although he is a really good clubhouse guy and a good guy to have as a veteran leader. Um, But, I mean, it is a loss. It is a guy you'd like to have in that lineup. Charlie Blackman has tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I'm sure I don't think that'll be a serious uh, cause for concern, just as long as the rest of the team does not get infected. Right, right. And and I think one player, one huge player that we forgot to mention earlier is David Price, uh, now a Dodger. He he opted out, which... Uh, I knew we we both knew, but I, I think we we failed to mention it. Yeah, we he did. opted out, and so that's which I mean I mean I think that just benefits every other team. But it's which you know I I mean all respect to David Price, he made that decision, and he knows what is best for him and his family. But but still, that is a huge piece that the Dodgers had to spend a lot of money on, and they're losing one of their best pitchers. Well, you don't have to pay the guy if he's not going to play. So, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they I, definitely I, yeah. would have liked to have him. I do think the Dodgers, that would be a bigger loss for the Rockies to re- lose David Price. But as we covered with the Dodgers, so much depth in their rotation, that's not too big of a factor. One other right. guy I want to mention, the impact of having the designated hitter in the National League. Daniel Murphy could have an awesome year as a DH here in Colorado. I mean... It's just made for him. DH in Colorado. Is there a better job for a guy who just hits and isn't a big difference maker defensively? No, no, not at all. That not to mention he gets so much lift and carry on his ball, or and so so he's gonna just hit a pop fly to center. But it, you know when he's rounding first base, he's gonna see oh that went over the fence. I mean he's <laughs> he's that type of hitter. He uh, he you know he always hits. He does very well in situational hitting. He can hit the ball to all parts of the field, and he he lifts the ball very very well. And so, I mean, it's the perfect place for him. And especially if he's getting to focus on just hitting as a DH, I mean, what more could you ask for if you're Murphy? Yeah. So last year, Colorado Rockies, they won 71 games. Mm-hmm. Th- this year, their over under total would have been 73 and a half, which I think is a really good number for them. Would you go mm. over or under? Yeah, I, I think because of what we talked about in terms of their pitching, I would go slightly under. I would say maybe 70, but I you just don't know. I mean, the thing that the Rockies need, they just need to play more games on the road. But <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. that's that's not of their control. So I, uh, I, I, would, I would go maybe 71, maybe 70. Okay, so 71 a year ago, and let's just say the pitching is 5% better than it was a year ago. And that factors into, let's see, 5% of 162. What? <laughs> little math here. Let's see. It's I haven't taken a math class in forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a 20th of 162. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That's... Uh, I mean, a couple games, I guess. Yeah, a like, few games, and yeah. then maybe maybe get a little more out of Murphy in the DH spot. But yeah, I, I don't. There's I don't really see this team competing. Maybe they can get up to 80 wins, but even then, I I would I would go right around that 74, 75 wins. So maybe I go slightly over, but I don't I don't see. I just it's hard for me to believe that they went from so close to winning the division in 2018 to 71 wins the next year. 
it's hard for me to believe that that's what they are. Uh, so I think maybe a few games better than they were a season ago, but nothing, nothing significant. No, I, yes, I, I agree with you. And I mean, I don't know if we mentioned it or so not, but 74 I, as well. Say. 70, okay. That, yeah. That I think that'd be safe. I think, uh, I mean, I, I've have the Rockies finishing fourth, uh, in this 60 game season, I, yeah. I think, I think they would finish fourth, uh, behind the Padres, which we haven't talked about yet, but I, I would have the Rockies finishing fourth. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Padres. This is a team that is, it's interesting. Cause I, I think there are ways you can categorize the teams in the national league. I think there are a few different clear tiers. You have the division favorites out across the league with St. Louis, LA, and Atlanta. And then you have defending champs. I feel like those guys are all kind of in a tier of their own. And then you have the next group of teams that we really like that are kind of knocking on the door just outside of that bunch. And that's the Reds, the uh, gosh, the Phillies, the Reds, Diamondbacks, and the Brewers. And then yes. after that, you have the next group, which is like these are the teams that are either stuck in mediocrity, they've taken significant steps back and don't appear to be moving upwards. And that in that case, it would be the Cubs and the uh, the Rockies would be the teams that just declined uh, and are kind of hoping to get back. So they're kind of on the next group of looking on the outs from the, the those other top eight teams. And then you have teams like the Padres who are... We've been waiting for them to turn the corner. They haven't done it yet. Maybe it happens this year. It seems like you're going to be favorable towards the Padres, but we've been waiting to see it. And the other team I put in that category is the Mets, where I just don't really see them being anything better than 80 wins. I feel like all of those teams, aside from the Padres, have stunted ceilings. Like They can only go so high. And then the next group after that, so that's that's 12 teams, and I think there are three clear rebuilding teams, which are the Pirates, the Giants, and the uh, Marlins. Yes. Yes, I mean, in, in San Diego, they have, over the past couple of years, they've had so many new additions, uh, and it starts right from the top. I mean, they have a new manager, Jace Tingler, who he's a younger guy. Great I, name. <laughs> yes, great name by, by far. And um, I, from what I've seen, um, he's very well-spoken. You know, he is... He's definitely a leader, and he's younger, but still, I think uh, San Diego needs a younger guy uh, to lead them because you know, San Diego, they are young in general. And they also acquired Tommy Pham, who yep. uh, is, I think, one of the better defensive outfielders in the National League. And he, the last several years, he's really uh, turned it on in terms of offensively. Uh, they, in, I mean, they, in the one piece that I love that I think it's going to be really advantageous for the Padres is that Austin Hedges, I think he is the next big thing in terms of defensive uh, catchers. He is one of the best pitch callers. He throws out close to 40% of runners and he can block like no other catcher in the MLB. And especially when you have, you could potentially have several extremely young pitchers. Uh, We're also talking about Mackenzie Gore who could find himself on the opening day roster this is this, you're gonna have several pitchers in their early 20s and with austin hedges even though he's young himself 
his maturity is way beyond his age, and he's going to really help the pitchers feel very comfortable in San Diego, which I think that's, that is going to make San Diego a make-or-break team. I mean, it's, yeah. it, they're going to be very – they're a wild-card team. And I'm not talking about wild-card <laughs> uh, wild you know, winner or game. I'm talking about they're just a wild-card. They're an X-factor. We have no idea – you know they're they're going to tank or they're going to rise. We really don't know, but their pitching is going to be important. And with a couple of their acquisitions as well, I think that will help them. Uh, not to mention they do have a World Series hero, which is more than a joke because they also added Trent Grisham, which if you've heard that name, he is the right fielder who uh, for the Brewers who made the error when Juan Soto <laughs> hit that three-run triple. Um, so technically he's a world series hero. He just hasn't played in a world series yet, but yeah, uh, they traded, uh, Luis Urias for him. Yes, I, I believe so. And so, so I mean, but, but still, I mean, Grisham was a talented young player and, uh, they also have Emilio Pagan now. He also came from Tampa Bay, uh, more than likely is their closer. And so, um, and of course we're talking about a rookie sensation from last season, Fernando Tatis Jr., who. In just over 80 games, he had 22 home runs as a shortstop. And I mean, that's unheard. He needs unheard. to stay healthy, though, Chad. He, he 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 needs to stay healthy, and that's that's gonna be that could be a problem. But he's in the thing that I think scares both of us is that he suffered a pretty gruesome injury, and he's so young, which is yeah. very sad to see. You don't normally see that, but there is so much potential for the Padres, and again, they're gonna be an X factor team. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of these guys. Uh, another one, Jerickson Profar is a guy that I've always kind of liked. I think he's a nice little add that infield is really interesting. Tatis needs to stay healthy. I'm pretty concerned about him. I shouldn't say pretty. I'm decently, mm-hmm. mildly concerned about him. I think that's something that's really important is he is the future of that club, and they need him to stay healthy. They also need a little more out of Manny Machado and yes. Eric Hosmer, who they paid a <laughs> lot of money for both of those guys. Yes. <laughs> is there talent on this club? Absolutely. I do think that this is a very important year for AJ Preller and everything going on with him because he's been given a bit of a long leash. He's been around for quite a while. There was a scandal surrounding him at one point, And now he's, uh, I had heard going into this offseason that there are three teams that really were getting a little impatient with their front office, and they said, you need to accelerate things. That was the Reds, the White Sox, and the Padres. And I think Padres are going to have a tougher time making noise in this division than the Reds are in the NL Central. And I, in general, I like the Reds a lot more than I like the Padres. So do not be surprised if you see this Padres team playing – good ball at some point or playing well enough, I guess, and really trying to make a couple of trades to try to push this thing forward so they can sneak into the playoffs. I do think this is a good, this is a team that 60 games could put together a really good 60 games. We saw last year, Seattle Mariners were leading the AL West last year through the first 60 games. They were 38 and 22. I think that the Padres have that type of potential to start out hot like that and over 162 maybe not maybe not put it all together cuz last year they they really came unglued in the second half uh which was a little surprising to see. So 
like you said, this is a big-time mystery team. We don't really know what's going to come out of them, but they're uh, totally things to like. I just think that they might get a little urgent here uh, if they... I, I do think it's going to be a make-or-break year for this front office. Right, and I mean, you talk about San Diego. They they have so much talent, but again, it's about putting it together, just like you said. And I don't think... I, I think it would be more than likely... Um, impossible for them to do all that in one year and just, you know, 60 games and then be ready for the playoffs. I don't think that's going to be possible. But again, this is a very important year for the Padres because if they do even better than they did in 2019, you're still going to see potential in them for several years to come. And you're finally seeing the younger prospects in their system, the younger guys that they're getting and even making big uh, acquisitions and trades. They're starting they, – they get the formula. They understand it, but it's a matter of them actually being able to put it together on the field. Kirby Yates should have been the Rolaids relief reliever of yes. the year last year. Oh, I, I completely agree with you. Ker, Kirby Yates, absolute – I mean, he he really – wow, I, I don't even know. He, he surprised us. Chris Paddock also kind of came out of nowhere, but the problem is he didn't have any uh, – much offense to back him up in the second half, and so that was some – unfortunate uh and, and then e- even Luis Patino I think he's gonna I mean he, you could see him mix in and out of the bullpen in the starting rotation more than likely will be the number two or three guy but I I really like him and the one pitcher that I think it's gonna make could make a difference is Mackenzie Gore uh you know the, the oh, high, yeah. highly rated prospect I think a couple of weeks ago it was more than likely that he would not have made the opening day roster but I don't know if you saw um I read a couple articles, and from what I heard, I didn't watch the Padres summer camp over the past few days, but they're saying that McKenzie Gore is going to make the roster. He pitched that well against some of his uh, teammates, and so he could make or break the starting rotation. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to see what comes of McKenzie Gore this year. One other guy who we'll see if he makes it up this year, or I don't know what it's going to be like because minor league baseball this year is not what it is and what i mean (laughs) by that it's not even happening (laughs) which is sad it's very sad taylor trammell yes you and i both talked about when they made that bauer trade last Mm -hmm. summer he is one guy that i'm really excited to see and i think he could bring some star power to this roster um if he makes it up he could be a high impact guy um playing center field for this club but I i don't know if how far away he is i don't know if we'll see him this year or not but I, there are definitely there are a lot of things to like about this club. Yes, yeah. If we don't see Trammell this year, we will definitely see him in 2021. That's saying if everything goes according to plan, of course. But, um, <laughs> but I, I do love Trammell. He would add the speed that uh, the Padres, I think, are kind of missing. Um, you know, they have a you know a couple of their start like Hosmer and uh, and Machado. They're not going to steal a lot of bases, but I mean, I think Trammell would add you know, a huge upside for their defense in the outfield. And, you know, he can hit for average. He does have a little power as well, but he can run too. And so I think if he does make it up, he's going to add more more youth to the Padres. So the Padres, Vegas has them at 83 wins. Would you go over or under? Just, just 70 last year. That, mm-hmm. that's Are they 13 or 14 games better than they were a year ago? See, the thing is, I still think that 
if you give the Padres a full-length season, I think they could benefit the most from the 60 games, potentially. But the, pro- the, but the problem yeah. is, you give them 162, you're going to have guys get injured, which we obviously saw last year. You're going to have some of their pitchers maybe get tired. And the maturity is just not completely there. Really, the only two players in the clubhouse that have postseason experience are Hosmer and Machado. But... And, and I think that's going to be very important, um, or that would be important, a 162-game season, you know, come August, September, that, you know, Machado and Hosmer know how to play a little bit better in those months. And so in terms of that, I would I would put them right around when Vegas had them. You said 70 games, I think. So I would, I would say uh, 71, 72 again. No, no, Vegas had them at 83. Oh, oh 83. They were 70 last year. Oh, oh so, so then, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sorry. I would go under uh, what Vegas yeah. had. I don't think um, if they were to play a full season, I don't think it would be their year still. But again, the future is going to be very bright for the Padres. Yeah, I think I'd go 75. So maybe right above the Rockies mm-hmm. uh, as well. But I again, this is... These two teams at the top of this division, I think, are going to be really tough to beat. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I do think, as we've repeated a few times, 60 games, I think this team could really get something going, though, and make a nice push and get into the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But 162, I think they're around 75 wins. Yes. Yeah, I would put right in the 70 range as well. All right, our final team for today. <laughs> The San Francisco Giants, who (laughs) could very well lose 100 this year. (laughs) Last year, the Giants, 77 wins, but they also had manager Bruce Bochy. And in terms of managerial changes, I think we, we highlighted this with the Cubs when you're going from Joe Madden to David Ross. Uh, that that's not really an upgrade. And then we talked about the biggest upgrades being the Angels getting Joe Madden over Brad Ausmus and the Phillies upgrading from Gabe Kapler to Joe Girardi. This is probably the biggest downgrade. You're going from the best, the most accomplished manager in baseball over the 2010s, over the last decade, to a guy who was supposed to be, I mean, he was in charge of player development with the Dodgers and there was the Phillies were really expecting a lot out of him in terms of developing young players. And they didn't really get a whole lot out of that in terms of the young guys that they had going, they weren't developing the way they were hoping to. Uh, So Kapler out after two years, honestly, I just don't really think the guys in Philly were really buying into him. He's kind of a quirky character (laughs) I mean, we can remember that that first weekend that he was managing with the Phillies when he made a pitching change without warming up a pitcher in yes. the bullpen first. <laughs> that did not set a good tone for that fan base, which is a pretty brutal fan base. Uh, and then the other thing was you had, like, with the Phillies in 2018, they had, again, the Phillies have had talent for a few years now. The Phillies were playing well and they had this downward slide in around August in September. And one of the things that happened was there was a story that came out after the season. The players were distracted. They were playing too much Fortnite (laughs) and Carlos Santana comes in and bashes the TV because he wanted to get these guys focused up. He says, guys, come on. 
we got to focus up here. Veteran leadership there from Santana. And what, what ends up happening, they trade Santana the next year. So you have a guy who's kind of advocating for them to be more competitive and they trade him. I'm not really into Gabe Kapler as a manager. I haven't seen it yet from him. And I, I don't know if we'll see it in San Francisco, but that's the guy you're replacing a, a, a manager who's won three World Series over the past 10 years with. And I just, you look at this roster, they're in a clear rebuild now. They hung on to their guys for a little too long. Really, now they are going to have to start over. I don't think this is going to be a very good team this year. I, I agree with you. I mean, I just don't think for Kapler to go anywhere, I think San Francisco was one of the worst places he could end up because uh, when you talk about his leadership style, he's very hard to to talk to. He's very hard to really get a good feel on. And just from what I've seen in interviews, I think he's a smart, he's a smart guy, and he definitely um, – he definitely knows the game of baseball, but sometimes I think his decisions could be impulsive in a way. And when you look at this lineup, yeah. I mean, they still have Hunter Pence, who, even though he may not be in the best shape of his career, or he may not be at the best of his performance, he's still, you know, one of the leaders of the Giants. I mean, he's very beloved in San Francisco. They still have Belt. They st- well, they brought him back. Right. He was. He remember he was in Texas. Yes, but correct. Yeah. And um, but I mean, they and they still have Belt. Uh, they still have Longoria. They have Crawford, who is. Uh, I mean, he, he didn't have a great season last year, but he's still a contributor. And they also added Billy Hamilton. So these are guys uh, who have experience, and but, you know, they're I, – I don't want to say washed up, but, you know, some of them are a little washed up compared to what they were five or six years ago. And when you put Kapler with them, I think they're going to butt heads a little bit. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how it's going to end up. I, I'd be interested to see – you know, some type of hard knock show on the on the Giants. Uh, <laughs> who even knows what would happen? I, I have no idea. And, uh, and and you also talk about their their starters. John, they still have Samarja. They still have Cueto. Kevin Gosman has great experience, and uh, Drew My, Drew Smiley as well. I mean, those those guys have you know a decent amount of experience. But with Kapler, he's very young in his managerial career. So I just don't think. San Francisco is the right club for him to start out at. Yeah, and I'm curious, though, as I think about it, you are absolutely right. Where is the right situation for him, though? That's something I was thinking because (laughs) he tried to develop young guys in Philly, and now the Philly window was a little more, we want to get in there and win now. We we aren't really trying to rebuild. We've been rebuilding for a few years now. Now it's time to turn the corner. Maybe the spot for him is a low pressure environment yes. like a Baltimore or a Seattle or one of these teams that's clearly in a rebuild. Toronto, yes, teams such as those. And while the Giants are clearly in a rebuild, their roster does not totally reflect that. It's like he didn't really develop players well. Now, maybe he'll go differently again in a spot where they aren't expected to win, but... Yeah, it's hard for me to believe these veteran players really are going to buy into what he's uh, what he's pitching to them. Right, right. And I, I think in terms of spots for Kapler, you hit it right on the head. I was going to say uh, Florida, the, the Marlins. Yeah. I think that's very low, low pressure, um, especially if front office changes. And you know, I I mean, there's not much going on in Florida, and I think that would be a great spot for him. Uh, like you mentioned, I think Seattle wouldn't be terrible either. I think he would kind of fit 
um, a little better into a lower pressure situation like or environment like that. I think, but I I, I could see him managing for uh, the Marlins, but obviously did not work out. So I was kind of surprised uh, to see that when the Giants made that move. Yeah, it's really it was really interesting. We'll see how it works. They eventually are going to have to start trading the Evan Longorias and the Crawfords and the Belts and the yes. Hunter Pences. They're right. going to have to start reloading and retooling in order to get back to where they were. Uh, just, you know, it's so crazy how quickly this team crumbled. In 2016, they had a sh- shot at beating the Cubs in the NLDS. I mean, that was a tight series for those first three games. And then they ended up losing that series, and we know what happened with the Cubs. But they were they could have made the same type of run the Cubs did. The next year they won 60 something games and it just it went like that it was over in a blink of an eye and then they tried to go out and get McCutcheon and they got more old guys and while i think it's exciting to see teams buying and trying to keep their fans invested and not trading away those franchise players i do think eventually there's just I just don't see anything with this team. They're going to have to rebuild at some point. Pablo Sandoval is back, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, which is so funny. I I've not seen much of him in the past couple of years. I, I haven't followed him that much. Uh, one person who's not back though is literally the face of the franchise, Buster Posey, opting yeah. out as well, which is uh, understandable again, but also very sad because I mean I think. He is such an incredible role model to a lot of the Giants and uh, into the organization. So, you know, like why – I mean why is he still there? You know, I think he needs to go somewhere else eventually. He doesn't have – he's a catcher and he's still fairly young, but he's not like he was uh, earlier in, you know, in the early 2000s or uh, 2010s. But, I mean, still, he needs to go somewhere else as well. So the over-under total for the Giants was – 67 and a half. I think mm. we're both clear unders on this team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I would say 63, 63 games. Okay. I'm trying to look. I want to see how many they won in 2017. They won 64 that year. Mm. The last two years. Last year, if you remember, they had a little run there in June, July. They were playing well. Yes. And that kept them from being sellers at the deadline. Uh, they ended up hanging on to Bumgarner. They ended up getting Scooter Jeanette for free, essentially. Yeah. I think this team, I'm going to go even lower than what you said. You had, what, 60, 63, you said? Yes. 63. I'm going to go 59. I think that this wow. team is, <laughs> this is going to go, this is probably the lowest record in the <laughs> National League. And if... I think the, I do think the Marlins are better than the Giants are in terms of talent. <laughs> However, I will say the Marlins are going to have a tougher tougher schedule uh, in the NL East, and especially now that they're going to play the AL East too. Uh, I just mm-hmm. I, I can't really see. I think the Giants could potentially have the first overall pick of the MLB draft next year. <laughs> right, which. <laughs> Certainly would not hurt them at all, but I, I mean, if they want to rebuild, you might as well just tank this season. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I um, wow. Fi- I mean, fifty nine games. That's that's historically bad. That, <laughs> I mean, that's you, you don't see a lot of teams getting to the fifties in terms of winning totals at all. So, but I mean, if 
would not be surprised one bit if that were to be the case in a full-length season. <laughs> well, last year, we had one, two, three, four teams below 60 wins. <laughs> the Di- the wow. Detroit Tigers won 47 games last year. <laughs> oh, that is painful. <laughs> that is painful. All right, Chad. This was a lot of fun. I think we got a good little preview here of the NL West. And uh, I guess the last thing I want to ask you pertaining to this division is with a 60-game season, and we did cover this, how much does that change your view? Is there one team that really it changes your view of how they could perform in 162 versus 60? Yeah, yes. Like you said, I think it's the Padres. It's yeah. still that mis- that mystery team that they could either win 35, 36 games or they could potentially only win 20. We really don't know, but it's a make-or-break time for the Padres. And with Tingler coming in, with some of their pieces coming in, you know, it, they're either it's either going to make or break them, uh, like we've already said. And so I think the Padres are going to be uh, the team potentially most affected by uh, by the 60-game season. Uh, in terms of help, I think it will help the Dodgers the most, though, um, without, without a doubt. I, th- I think the Dodgers will benefit the most from 60 games. Yeah, I would agree with you. I guess my, my one bold opinion or bold prediction pertaining to this 60 versus 162, I guess it's not really a take or a prediction. It's just more that I think that the Diamondbacks have a real shot of winning this division in a 60-game season. I think with 162 versus 60, that gives the Dodgers an opportunity to create more separation between the Diamondbacks. But I think the Diamondbacks really have a shot to win this division, uh, which would be surprising to people, I think. Yes, I I, th- I think that would certainly shock a lot of people. And I think the key is, as long as their lineup, if they can continue to hit the ball the way that they have, they can continue to improve offensively. And if Baumgartner, if he is able to pitch, you know, five or six innings every night, every five days, then that's going to do them well. That's going to help them stay in ball games. And I think he is a key piece to their long-term success in the 60 games. All right, Chad. And lastly, I'm going to ask you, uh, I will save my predictions for the next episode of this podcast. But Chad, <laughs> do you have a World Series pick you want to drop on us here? <laughs> Man, this it's it's a hard question for me because I still have mixed emotions about the World Series as we speak. <laughs> uh, because we found out that you know my team, the Astros, I, I don't even know what the World Series means anymore to them and to me uh, as a fan, but. Uh, I am going to say the Astros. However, and, and I am 100 percent biased, and I'm going. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to admit to that, Jack. Uh, the the one the, I think the Astros. I think they have the AL West locked. I think they will certainly make a very far run in the in the playoffs. Uh, though the one team that I think will surprise us is the Twins. I I think the Twins have a really great shot at winning the pennant this season. So I think the Twins. Um, are going to be the team to watch. I think they'll win the Central easily, and I think as long as they can figure it out in the postseason, then I think uh, the Twins also have a very fair shot. Okay. So are you picking the Twins to win the World Series? Well, I'm I'm picking the Astros, but I know that uh, in terms of maybe your listeners or I think MLB fans as a whole – I have to say the Twins. <laughs> okay, all right. So, in National so, League, yes. who do you who do you who would you go with in the National League? 
See, National League, I think – see, this is this is interesting because we've talked so much about the Dodgers. But at the same time, I think with not having David Price, with maybe even potentially making trades, I think that could make or break the Dodgers postseason run as well. So I, I kind of like the Braves. I actually yeah. like – I like Atlanta uh, winning the pennant for the National League. No Nick Markakis for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Cole Hamels – is he going to – I think he'll be ready. I know he was injured. Right. See, I I think he will be ready, and I think, uh, I mean, they're they're off into their their lineup is still young, but I mean, they have such talent, and they're starting to build things together. Um, but the, the thing is, I, I I just don't know. I have a good feeling about Atlanta. They've uh, made several playoff runs the past couple of seasons, and so I think this could be their year. Uh, I haven't looked too much, or haven't really studied how much maybe we think sixty games would make or break them. Yeah. But I think the Central is going to – I mean, the East is still going to be in favor of the Braves. And so I, I do like the Braves, especially we'll have to see how, who they match up with in the playoffs. Uh, I think the Braves are going to have a great year. I, I think they're going to be very tough to beat this year as well. So stay tuned for my predictions. Coming up later this week, Chad Vaughrine playing injured today, just four months <laughs> or four weeks out from jaw surgery. He's doing well. And he had a great performance for us today. Chad, this was a lot of fun. And uh, let's have you back in a week or two when we have some games going on and we'll talk about that. How's that sound? That sounds more than great, Jack. I uh, Again, I was so excited to be on your show, as always. Uh, and as an avid listener and fan of, of you and your podcast, uh, just being able to be a part of this, as well as talk about our favorite sport today, um, <laughs> always a pleasure. So. I'm looking forward to the next time we get to talk about baseball, which we've been waiting for for so long. (laughs) All right. And what would you like to throw out and plug while you're here? Uh, I know you're not on Twitter, but you have an Instagram handle, I believe. And oh, no, you don't. You're not an Instagram guy either. I'm I'm not an Instagram guy. Uh, to surprise you, Jack, I did recently create a Twitter. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, no followers really at all, but <laughs> I'll I'll give you a follow um, if you're on Twitter. But I um I've been working on a lot of sports writing um, as well. I'm looking to start writing a bit. Uh, I'm also looking to um, soon launch a career. Uh, I have one more semester in school left. Uh, studying broadcast journalism, so I'm looking to cur- uh, launch a career in sports, TV, and journalism. And uh, I also, uh, like Jack, I do a show, a sports show called The Cheap Seats. We've been on about an eight-month hiatus <laughs> just from scheduling conflicts as well as uh, COVID-19 conflicts, but um, st- uh, hoping to pick that up soon as well as uh, potentially start my own uh, sports show focusing more on baseball and college sports. Um, over the next couple months. That's a big project that I will be focusing on later once I finish school. Uh, however, yeah, that's that would be the only thing I'd like to plug. And, awesome. Uh, but yeah, a lot of big things coming up for me in the future, especially after this jaw surgery. I will definitely be more <laughs> comfortable to do things, I think. Okay. And, and great thing, just two more weeks of an all-liquid diet. So we're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a trooper. You'll get through it. Um, God's Thanks. been good to you. He's taken Absolutely. care of you. Yes. Um, and yeah, we'll, you'll, we'll have you back and you can uh, point people to what you're working on then. Yes, that that would be awesome, Jack. I, I really appreciate you and, uh, and your time. So thank you. Likewise, Chad. Thanks. All right. Look forward to checking in soon. Enjoy your weekend, sir. Thank you, Jack. You too. Be safe.
All right, folks, that does it for my conversation with Chad Vaughtherine. Check back here on the podcast in a couple of days when I speak with Jordan Morandini to discuss more baseball. We will give you our World Series picks, and we will try our best to figure out how this 60-game season is going to play out. I'm so excited to have baseball back. I hope you are, too. You can subscribe to the podcast. That is the Jack Vita Show. Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcast, YouTube, subscribe, and you will never miss an episode. Log on to jackvita.com. Go ahead. The site is live now. I've already written some columns on there, and I'm excited for you all to join me over there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jack Vita Show. Same thing for Instagram, facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Go ahead and follow along and you will be up to date with everything going on with this podcast. So excited to keep sharing my blog and my podcast with all of you. I hope you all have a great week. Stay safe. God bless you all. Have a great week. Until next time, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>